Hey, Stonebridge, would you welcome Brooke Delano to our stage? Uh, you may not know this, but Brooke is probably one of the greatest female athletes ever to come out of the state of Nebraska. She has, uh, I think, at least I know, seven state championships. Seven. Is it any more than that? Four, five, six. Five. five. I think. Oh, five. Just and five. And one runner-up. And one yeah. runner-up. So five state championships, one runner-up. Not bad. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you had a dynasty going. Bellevue West. West. I was going to say East, but yeah. I, West. Yeah. Well. West. I remember watching you play in high school uh, in the state. Um, it was your senior year. A couple of girls from our church here were uh, playing for Burke. And you played them first round in the volleyball uh, tournament. And Bree uh, DeYoung and, and Amanda Brazza were here. You, you were not nice to them. Gosh, I'm sorry. In fact, I didn't know if I'd invite you to come here because you were so mean. <laughs> You're clobbering the ball. And the poor little burger like, quit hitting at us. They did, they did fine. They weren't embarrassing. But, uh, but you, you, you guys, I had never seen... Um, volleyball like that and at the high school level is impressive yeah. you guys were great and so uh but you i would say it was your your first love was probably basketball yes definitely was basketball um i grew up playing the sport and then um my family moved to bellevue my freshman year and we picked up volleyball huh. so yeah i was definitely the awkward basketball player on the volleyball court just like blocking <laughs> serves and not know what i was doing i was just out there having a good huh. time yeah. was it was it <laughs> I didn't ask you this first hour, but I asked you, was, was it difficult growing up? I mean, you're always probably a foot taller than everybody else. Yes. Was, was that hard? Always. Really? No, you know, my mom um, raised me to be proud, hmm. and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and now my daughter, who's two, and she's like right here. <laughs> so she, I need to teach her to be proud right. and raise her that same way. Yeah, I mean, kids, kids can be tough, you know, and, and pick kids on you or whatever. It, they can be really mean. And yeah. uh, and all, but, so you know, good for your mom. Yeah, you know, and then to rock it. some heels too. Yeah, be six nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good. This has definitely been the tallest guest we've had ever. You know, in the last few weeks. So, um, so here you are, senior year. You know, you're getting, or probably even before that, getting a lot of uh, interest in in from schools and. And what was the recruitment process like for you? Yeah, it was crazy. So, and because it was crazy at a time like then and now, it's even more magnified. So, like, it's mind blowing what the girls go through now. But I was lucky. Um, my family supported me, and they kind of, hey, whatever you want to do, we're, we'll be huh. there to back you up. And um, uh, I was there how, pressure to go to Nebraska? Yeah, and how could you? How could you not uh, growing up in the state and I mean the beaches are nice and don't get me wrong it'd be awesome to get away from my family but home is where <laughs> it's at I couldn't I couldn't so yeah, yeah. um yeah stayed close to home and yeah, I mean, and, and truly volleyball in the state of Nebraska is insane I mean I I can't I marvel because it used to be to me always west coast stuff you might not know this but I I used to play a lot of volleyball. Yeah. And uh, in fact, won some tournaments in the state of California. Yeah. 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 Beach nice. volleyball. Yeah. We should get. We should play you, some pickup. There's, there's no pictures of that. By the way, or like that. Yeah, we should play. Yeah, yeah totally. I'd be glad to set you, and you just clobber it. Yeah. You make Let's do good. that. Because I don't. I, I don't jump anymore. 
Yeah. Actually, it, it, I made it sound a whole lot. It, it was just a... Anyway. Grassley. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would say when I got to Nebraska, though, I was very humbled. I was very put back. I, you know, leaving high school, um, I was at the top of the food chain. I was... Yeah. Um, and then now I'm on a team surrounded by five first team All Americans. Oh, wow. Like wow. I became a B side All American real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and was it tough then just kind of get your head around the fact that here I was, you know, everybody, and now I'm 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 sitting next right. to the coach. Yeah, one. it was. There was a lot of second guessing and huh. a lot of did I bite off more than I could handle. Um, a lot of talks with my families, a lot of talks hmm. with the coaches, um, but. I kicked it into trust your training, trust your coaches, trust, trust something bigger than yourself. Um, I promise the coaches who were telling me what to do or what to eat, how to sleep, <laughs> nutritionist, or, you know, um, I just learned to trust it and quit fighting it. And, and then they'll, I, and trust in God. And, and that came in huge for me in college. Wow. And at that time, um, and leave it all the rest, just enjoy the ride. Okay. So, you, but you had told me that you not only just were second guessing, you just didn't want to do it anymore. Absolutely, I struggled for sure, and huh. I lived. I started living the life of a college, stu- a college student rather <laughs> than the life of a student athlete. Yeah. You know, and talks with coaches, and for sure, um, was told no. And I had tests and trials, and um, and all in all, if I had every area and every aspect of my life balanced out and that's nutrition that's my sleep that was my studies that was my friends um then volleyball was good and it kind of how it relates to life now is if i still trust my relationship with god trust my training trust my what i eat now how i if i drink enough water if all my friends to this day if all those things are good my my work is good Uh, what was probably the greatest lesson you learned from uh, Coach Cook? Um, Coach Cook is, you know, he pushed me to my absolute max and to my breaking point mm. where I was two feet out the door already. Yeah. And one thing I learned from Coach is he pushed me there and tried me and test and as I probably did back. But when I hit my breaking point and I, after I did make it, he was there to catch me and, hmm. and help me ride it out after. Yeah. yeah. And all through that, then you became uh, all American yeah. at Nebraska. That's a pretty yeah, big deal. That was cool. Yeah, you guys, I, this is like, we are so spoiled in the state of Nebraska. Yeah, okay. Really like there, we have no professional sport to compete with. Like I played <laughs> volleyball. You guys, I really am not that cool. <laughs> like I promise like seeing, I but yeah. I don't What's cool about it, though, is that playing volleyball and growing up through the state, uh, growing up in the state, has um, led me and given me opportunities to meet people like yeah. you and to do this. And a gal that I saw before church, like, I'm not gonna cry, but really, like, that's what it's about, and yeah. I appreciate it. So. Yeah. Cool. I'm yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of parents, and, and their little kiddos are playing sports and. And, uh, you know, kind of really, there seem, again, we talk about this, a lot of pressure on families and you know, expenses and stuff like that. How do you, um, 
do you have any words to parents today uh, and their kids and how to balance that kind of stuff? Yes. Life gets crazy. Um, don't, don't just commit yourself to one thing. You know, basketball helped me out with volleyball just as much as volleyball helped me out with basketball and, um, and all the different experiences and opportunities, like I said, through those sports have brought me places and seen people and I've done some pretty cool, amazing things through that. So don't limit yourself and be open to everything and let your kids that they enjoy it, let them do it. Um, being a mom now I'm, I'm learning that same thing and there are trials with that, but if they enjoy it, let them do it and, and encourage them in that. Cool. Well, Brooke, whoops. Thank you so much for being here. You're a good friend of Stonebridge, and we're grateful for your testimony today. Thank you. Let's thank you. Hey, next weekend is Sea of Red Day. We want everybody to wear red. And uh, uh, our guest next week is uh, uh, his his name rhymes with Frost. And uh, so you should be ready for that. Um, Actually, he ain't going to be here. So. Unless you know him and you're his mom or something, you can make him show up. So, right. Hey, um, this has been a fun series. It's been great to look into the inside of some elite athletes that are part of our church and part, have been part of our um, uh, state. And, and it really is kind of fascinating because oftentimes when on the outside looking in, you go, man, they've got it made, right? Everybody wants to be them. Everybody wants to, to be around them. Everyone wants a piece of them. And oftentimes we kind of forget that they're people and they deal with struggles and stuff. And it, it may not be quite as, you know, we're always doing that, right? We're always looking at people going, I wish I was her. I wish I was him. I wish I had that. And it's easy to get into that kind of mode because we think, man, that's the life. Who wouldn't want to have thousands of people cheering you on? And, uh, and yet we oftentimes don't really realize what that means and what that takes in the pressures that are on uh, teenagers who are, you know, doing that. So it's been super fun to take a look at that. Now we're in this message series called the Sea of Red. It is the looking at in the book of the Bible, uh, John, uh, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, four chapters uh, is right at the end of Jesus's life. And the Sea of Red comes from the fact that most of, a lot of times in, uh, in Bibles when they're printed, uh, the words of Jesus are in red. And if you look at 14, 15, 16, 17 chapters of John, it's all is, it's just like almost all of it is Jesus's words. So it's, it's just covered in red. And again, it's right before he is to die. He is going, he's, he's left the upper room. He, they're on their way to the garden of Gethsemane. Judas is gone to get the authorities. They're going to show up in a short period of time to arrest Jesus. And then that leads to all kinds of messes and he will be killed in a, in a, in, in just in days here. And so this is kind of like setting this up here. So let's take a look at John 16. And this is to me, this is the, uh, man, I'm glad you're here because I think if you'd have missed, don't, if you missed this, this is the secret sauce message. This is the, you know, this is it. This is why I think this is why everybody's looking for what, if, if we can get this today. So I'm glad you're here. John chapter 16, verse 30. Now we understand that you know everything. So this is not Jesus' words. This is the apostles going, now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you, which is funny, right? So you've been with Jesus for three years. You've been questioning Jesus? 
Why would you question Jesus? Are you kidding me? And there's still, after three years, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of concern. I mean, after the miracles, the walking on water, water into wine, healing some people, you're still like confused? And you've been with him. You've noticed he's never sinned. I mean, you don't even have a question of his integrity or authority. Uh, and, and yet you're like, mm, I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Which again, should lead us all to go, hmm, I guess maybe it's okay to doubt a little. I mean, after all, because I mean, do you have questions like that sometimes? Like, is this all a crock? Is this real? Is it, can, we, can I trust this? So check this out. And there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Huh. The time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered each one going his own way, leaving me alone. And they probably like, what? What? What are you talking? What are you talking about? Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this. Here's why. So that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. The lessons we learn here is pretty clear. We're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Not a great promise. Not a great lesson. In fact, if we could change anything about right following Jesus, it'd probably be this one. Because, again, we tend to think, boy, if, God, like, if we sign up for the deal and we follow Jesus, our life should go pretty good. Right? Because God should protect me from stupid stuff I do and uh, from uh, cancer and from disappointment and getting fired and having my 401k get clobbered. He should protect me from bad stuff. Right? Because I'm his kid and I protect my kid from bad stuff. And that's how I, I'd like. I'd like a protective bubble around my life so that nothing bad ever happens to anybody in my family. That's kind of how we think it should go. And by the way, I think if it did go that way, everybody like, sign me up. I don't want cancer. I don't want leukemia. I don't want, I don't want, uh, I, I always, right? I always want to get, and it doesn't work that way. And Jesus is in this world, you're going to have trouble. And I suppose they're going, what? I don't know. But I'm so glad he tells that to us otherwise we'd be confused like and some of us are we we already are confused like we bought into the deal of jesus and we think things should be going our way and then bad stuff happens and we go and and some of us have walked away from the faith right we like we're kind of making our way back but for the most part we're like when that happened in my life like where was god what was he doing how come he didn't care we wonder why in the Old Testament, there's a man named Job, and uh, we read a little bit about him. Job chapter 1, verse 1 says, There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless and a man of complete integrity, which is great, right? Like, are you kidding me? That is like the picture of a, uh, you know, I'd want that said on, I want that on a tombstone or somebody's introducing me. Like, he's a blameless man of integrity. 
He feared God and stayed away from evil. So here's the pattern for, for greatness, right? Fearing God and stay away from evil. Hmm. Now, if you want to, if you want to be a man of integrity, if you want to be a woman who's blameless, right? Here's the, here's the deal. Fear God and stay away from evil. Easier said than done. That's the pattern of Job. So he has, check this out. He has seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, which would be awesome, by the way. Who would want to have a camel? I want to ride a camel. I was like, that'd be so cool. He had 3,000. 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. In fact, he was the most interesting man in the world. He's the richest guy in the entire area. And I think it was because he was a man of integrity. He made good decisions. He was honest in dealing with people. People want to do business with him. As a result of that, he did really, really well. Now, Satan truly believed that the reason that he feared God and that he honored God and he loved God was because his life was good. Hey, anybody can love God when life is good, right? And it's easy to sing that uh, we have a good, good God, right? And he's a good father and um, uh, he's good all the time when my portfolio is soaring. When my bank account looks good, when my health is, you know, right where it's supposed to be, when my kids are obeying, I mean, it really is good to, I mean, when God, when my life is good, so is God. But when my life stinks, not so sure that God is all that good. We begin to even wonder if he cares. Maybe you're a lot like the disciples we find in John chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up and high waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Disciples woke him up. Teacher. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Which is the ultimate question we always want to ask God when bad stuff's happening. Don't you care? What is wrong with you? We're, dr- we're going to die. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, the guys in the boat, why are you afraid? Which is a ridiculous question, I think. Well, we're going to die. Are you kidding me? Then he asked another question. Do you still have no faith? <sighs> Disciples were absolutely terrified. Now, the... the they're terrified. They're scared when they thought they're going to die. Now they're absolutely terrified. The sea is calm. Everything is good. Things are fine, right? But now they're afraid. Why? Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're in the presence of something and of someone that's way different, right? We thought our biggest trouble was the waves. Nope, it's this guy next to us. 
He can say to the wind and the waves, be quiet. And, and I, I think at that very moment, they realized, mm, what are we doing here? Now, I don't know about you, but when the wind and the waves are hitting me pretty hard, I definitely want Jesus in the boat with me. I want him close. Oftentimes we think, you know what, when the wind and the waves are hitting us, I don't need Jesus. In fact, he's not even paying attention. He's asleep on a cushion somewhere. And, I, and in fact, I'd rather him not even be in the boat. And doing life on my own and trying to make it by myself and trying to figure this stuff all out eventually leads me to hating any kind of deity that might be around. But I realize that he can say to the wind and the waves, peace be still, and they obey. No kidding, should I be afraid and, and, and fear of God. Not that I'm cowering in the corner here, but I'm totally realizing, just like Job realized, that I need to fear God and stay away from evil. The lesson here is that he can give us peace. Now, I don't, think that he, I don't think that Jesus even owed the disciples an explanation. I don't think he owes me an explanation. He does give me peace even in the midst of a difficult season of life. We see here in John 16, it says uh, that, that Jesus responds and he, uh, he knows that they now believe. And, and, uh, and the crazy thing is, here he says, you're going you're gonna to scatter here for no, in a moment. There's going to be, you know, he knows there's going to be soldiers showing up. These guys are going to get so scared they're going to run away. And I think that if he had never said to them, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have over, I, I'm going to overcome the world. I think it would have left them devastated and defeated. The moment they see him on the cross and hear about it, right, they're, they're out, they're gone, and they're, and, and, and they're going to leave. But Jesus still believed in these guys, still believed in them. And sometimes I think that he doesn't believe in me. Right? Have you ever thought that? After all the stuff I've done, the things I've been a part of, I believe in him, but I don't think he believes in me. The truth of the matter is that if he didn't believe in Peter, Peter would have been kicked to the side pretty quick after he denied Jesus three times. The Apostle Paul would have been kicked to the side pretty quick after he had been a part of the execution of Christians. You and I can still be used by the God who calms the sea. Jesus doesn't even hold it, hold it against them. He loves them in their weaknesses. So Jesus says these amazing words. Believe in me. Jesus had come back from the dead. The disciples are in a house and the doors are locked. This is after the resurrection. They've seen him and, and now we fast forward. So they're now afraid for their lives because the authorities want to kill them because Jesus is not in the grave anymore and they're accusing the disciples of, of snatching the body. So if they can kill off the disciples and any, follow, any remnant of a follower, they can squish this movement and get rid of them. So check this out in John chapter 20. 
That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus standing there among them, Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, which I think is one of the most complete you know, understatements in the Bible. Right? Can you imagine this? When he does this? When he pulls the, the robe back? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And again he says to them, peace be with you. He has to say it twice. Peace be with you. He will always say that to you. He will always say that to you. In the midst of the most difficult, in your, the scaredest time of your life, Jesus will say those words to you. Peace be with you. I think it's the ingredient that every single person wants to find. My guess is that many of us listening to this message today don't know much about peace. We're struggling to find it. For some of it, we, uh, we think that peace is just the absence of you know, tension or struggle, right? We just want to sleep. We want to sleep it off. How do you find peace? I think it starts with this. You have to be at peace with God. Until you are at peace with God, I think you will always struggle with this idea of being peace with yourself and peace with your family, peace with your, your friends. I think, it's, I think that will be a struggle if you're not at peace with God. Well, how do I get peace with God? You surrender. You cannot make peace with God by telling God what to do. You simply have to say, I surrender, I give up. I don't want to be at war with you anymore. I give up. I surrender. Perhaps that's why many of us don't know peace. We don't like to, we don't want, right? I don't want to surrender. Until you do that, you will struggle. Well, doesn't that mean... Yeah, you're going to have to let him be the boss of your life. That's true. You're going to have to let him be the boss of your life. Well, I'm not ready for that. Okay, all right. Until you're ready to surrender, you won't know peace. For some of us, we've accepted the the peace of God, but we don't feel like the God could ever use us still. We're still in that trap of thinking, what if, you know, it's like, I know, here's my past, I've done this. What if somebody finds out, what about this? And again, I can tell you from firsthand experience, the insecurity that comes from Satan whispering into someone's ear, he ain't going to use you now. You disqualified way long ago, like that's out of bounds, you're not going to get, that's no way. And if that was true, we wouldn't know the, uh, uh, the Apostle Peter. We wouldn't know the Apostle Paul. And, and if you truly continue to believe that, God won't be able to use you. He won't. But if you can be open today to the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love, and He can use you even in your, in your weakest moments. Not only will you understand the, the peace of God, But it will reign in your life. So much so that God will use you in incredible ways. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for the peace that comes from knowing you. We're truly, truly grateful that we can be at peace with our maker. Not because of anything we've done. It's all because of what you did. So here today, even at this moment in time, perhaps there'd be somebody here that's really ready to surrender to your authority and your lordship because you are the one who came back from the grave. We need peace in our life. So perhaps even right now, that's happening for somebody. In Christ we pray. Amen.